Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. Why don't you stand if you're able? Now Jesus is um, mentoring his, um, his teacher, he's mentoring, he's a rabbi, mentoring his followers. And they're in the temple, and they're watching all these um, rich people with flowing garments, and, and they're powerful people in the religious hierarchy, and um, they're, um, they take the very best uh, seats in the synagogue, and and at the important feasts, they get the places of honor. And uh, they're very pretentious with their long prayers. And Jesus is not very impressed with them. And then this happens, starting at verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. This is the reading of God's holy and fallible and inspired word. Jesus, come into the places in our life where we have tried to forbid you so that you have all of us. We pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I'm going to talk about something right on uh, the edge of being off limits, right? Um, when your family gets together at Thanksgiving, they're all seated around the table, there's probably something that's off limits to be brought up, right? Um, so we're going right to the edge of off limits. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about money. So are you cool with that? I'm not waiting for an answer. Um, you know, when a pastor talks about money, people cringe. They, they actually physically tighten up. They're, they're their whole body sort of, um, it's like they're spelunkin, you know, it, it just, um, and, uh, and I get it. We all know about uh, the abuses of church and money. In fact, when I became a pastor, I said, here's the deal. I'm trying to build a church. We started with no one. We're trying to build, get people to come here. The last thing I'm going to do is talk about money, um, so I'm not going to do it. And I said, so what am I going to talk about? I decided the first thing I'm going to preach on as a pastor is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the best sermon ever preached, good place to start. Uh, and guess what the Sermon on the Mount is filled with? Jesus talks constantly about money. There's 2,300 verses about money in the Bible. Uh, Jesus told 39 parables. 11 of them were about money. There's way more talk about money than there is prayer, than there is about the Trinity, than there is about heaven, than there is about everything else in the Bible. Um, it's Jesus' most talked about subject. 
So if you cross money off, you just might as well take the Bible and rip a big chunk of the Bible out and throw it um, away. So we're going to talk about money because Jesus wants to talk to you about it. Jesus wants to have a conversation with you. This is one of the hardest places for people to surrender, to say yes to Jesus. Very common for people to say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I, I want his favor. I, I want to go to heaven. I want to uh, have eternal life. Uh, so I give, I give him my life. But now that doesn't include my weekends because I still want to be free to do stuff on the weekends. And it, it, it doesn't include sexuality because that's none of his business. And, um, and it doesn't include money. Um, so I'll say yes to Jesus, but uh, there's parts of my life that um, um, nope, nope, nope. I'm still going to retain. Uh, I'm going to have the key to that room. He's not welcome in. I just have to tell you, there's no part of your life that Jesus will allow you to keep off limits. There's no part of your life. He, he will not respect your boundaries. Um, he's, that's why he's called the Lord. God, right? Um, He's the boss. He made you. So um, he wants to talk to you about it because you can't get to spiritual intimacy with Jesus without having this talk. And uh, as I said, it's not uncommon for people to be very touchy about giving. But I'll tell you what is uncommon. It's very common for people to be touchy. You know what's uncommon is for people to be generous. So let's talk about that. Why is that? Um, why are we uh, hindered in generosity and what would set us free? You know, I'd, I'd love the end of my life at my memorial service if one of the three people who were there would, um, <laughs> you know, would say of me, that man was generous. That'd be an awesome thing to be true of us, wouldn't it? But that's, uh, that is uh, not often said. So how does that come to pass? So here's the story. Um, Jesus is people watching in the temple, right? It must have been an awesome place. It's crowded with people. It's Passover, actually. The Jerusalem was filled with um, people. And uh, they're making their way through the temple, and he's teaching. He's a rabbi. He's got his students with him. They're always, he's a peripatetic um, teacher, right? He, uh, it's not classroom and blackboard for Jesus. It's walking through villages. It's doing life. It's stopping by a farmer in a field who's sowing seed, right? And Jesus tells a story, right? He, um, and uh, so here they're in the temple, and Jesus is observing all these ostentatious big dogs, you know, uh, flouting their importance. And uh, he sits his team down, and, um, and they're, they're there at the treasury of the temple. There were 13 receptacles, uh, like um, they were like trumpets. Um, they had a small opening on one end. They had a large receptacle at the other end. There were 13 different ones, and each of them went for different purpose. But uh, the, the support of the money uh, was for two purposes. The people gave their money for two purposes. One is they had to take care of the... Oh, come on. The priests. Oh, come on. Can I get an amen? Um, they, um, listen, we studied Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We talked about Genesis uh, for months in this church. And, uh, 
And then you go to the book of Joshua, and that's when they take over the land. And there are 12 tribes. Remember the 12 sons of Jacob, 12 tribes. And every tribe gets an allocation of land. So they can grow crops, and they can support themselves, and they can have livestock and all that kind of thing. But one tribe doesn't get any allocation of land. That's the tribe of Levi. The Levites uh, don't get uh, land. They can't support themselves. Their job is to be fully devoted to the religious service of uh, the temple. So these gifts that people are giving are for uh, the Levites, for the, the maintenance of the, the workers there, but they're also for the upkeep of the temple. The temple um, was enormous. The temple was grand. The temple had tapestries and linens, and we know it had a massive curtain, right, um, that, that's uh, rendered in two uh, uh, when Christ dies. The temple had wood that had come from all over the world, expensive wood. The temple is a luxurious place, and people are in it every day, all the time, and it needs um, upkeep. And so they're, they're sitting there, Jesus is sitting there, and they're watching people um, come, and um, um, uh, the expectation is 10%. Um, that would be 10% of your gold or silver, your grain, your flocks, all of that. Um, and there are rich people who are putting in very, very large sums of money. But Upworks, I mean, we, we, there's people who had their, their uh, handle, you know, their, um, their servants carrying, you know, a trunk full of coins. And then they would very slowly put the coins in. And you could hear when the coins were landing. And all that activity would probably grab their attention around. And people would say, wow, look at what they're giving. Well, as Jesus is sitting there, up shuffles um, uh, very discreetly a poor widow. That's an utterly redundant term. You understand poor widow? There weren't rich widows. If you were a widow, you were poor. You had no means of support. And she doesn't have a trunk full of money. She has two coins. And they're lepti is what they're called. They're, lepti actually means like a, um, a shaving. You almost like when you peel a carrot, you know, just a little thin layer you take off the carrot um that that's because they were the thin as thin could be they were just like a shaving of metal and uh, they were the they were the, the least of all the coins and she puts in two and um and jesus is wow and the disciples are like you know, Jesus says, wow what generosity and the disciples are like yeah we saw it too those rich people that was amazing he says, no, <laughs> not those people. That little widow. What generosity. Everybody else gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her what? Her poverty. In fact, he says, she gave everything. She gave her whole life. So let's talk about generosity. You ready? Ready to go? First, we're going to talk about why it's, um, what hinders generosity, um, our resistance to generosity. The first is our, our hubris, right? Um, we're not generous because we think our money belongs to us, right? Why should I give it away, right? I went to college. Um, I worked hard. I went to graduate school. 
I stayed up uh, those long nights. Other people were playing. Other people were flunking out. I did the hard work. I got called a nerd. I sat in the library, right? I studied engineering. Other people were um, doing other, you know. I took the risk to start a business. I get up at the crack of dawn. I scrimped. I saved. Nobody forgave my student loans, right? Um, It's my money. But guess what the Bible says? The Bible says everything we have comes from God and it belongs to God. In fact, we own um, nothing, right? You know, this passage, 1 Chronicles 29, 16, comes from when they were taking collection to build the temple. This is David. And, um, and this is the prayer David prays when all the people brought back then, by the way, we'll put you, you'll, you'll have a little pledge card and you, you're, you'll put it in an envelope and nobody will know what you give. You know when they did it back then? The whole assembly, the whole nation gathered and watched what everybody brought. A little pressure there. Well, David had to go first. What's the king going to do? And, uh, and after everybody brings all their offerings, David prays, oh Lord God, this, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from what? Your hand, and it's, it's yours. It's all yours. You own it all. Uh, this is what the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, right? You know, in, in, um, in, um, um, in Malachi, we have that one, Malachi Malachi says, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? Well, how have we robbed God? In your tithes and contributions. You're cursed with a curse. You're robbing me, the whole nation of you, right? Um, That's um, uh, because it all belongs to God. It's all his to withhold it. Uh, It's not our money. Um, You know, if you have anything, this is so important for North Americans. If you have anything, you have it because God gave it to you. And you could say, no, I made this by the sweat of my brow. Well, who gave you health? Who gave you protection, right? Who gave you um, opportunity? Who gave you legs that um, work, right? Who, who enabled you to be born in this country? Listen, I can think of people in my life who were born handicapped, right? Did you choose not to be born handicapped? Were you not born handicapped because you're such a hard worker and so diligent and you studied so hard? See, you had nothing to do with it, did you? Or the fact that you weren't aborted, you had nothing to do with that. Or the fact that, I think of a family in in the church I was growing up, on the day that the the mother was getting married, she was a second marriage, she had her her and her kids in the car, they crossed over a train track on the day of her wedding and a train came, the, the signal malfunctioned and hit that car and my classmates, my friends were brain damaged. Did, did you avoid that? Is that why you have a lot of money? Do you see what I mean? If, if we've had the body and the strength and the mind and the ability uh, to be prosperous, it's because God, listen, do you think if you are born on a hillside in Peru in the 13th century that you would be wealthy? That you would have the economic resources that you have? So you were really smart to be choose to be born now, right? Did you choose to be an American? Did you choose to be born here? I mean, all these things. Whatever you have, however you prospered, it's because God has blessed you. Got it? 
Why aren't we generous? Because we think it's our money. Why aren't we generous? Well, there's a fallacy. People said, I would be generous if I had more money. I just don't have enough money. When I have more, then I'll be generous. We think generosity requires abundance because our practice is to use our money to meet all our needs and then we give out of what's left over. After all I want is satisfied, then I'll give. Well, the truth is, you may give a lot of money, but you're not eating less, you're not shopping less, and you're not traveling less. We only give what we can what? We only give what we can afford that won't put a crimp in all the things we actually want to do. See what I mean? Um, We don't really know much about sacrificial um, giving. If I had more money, I'd give more. This woman was poor and generous. She didn't just give her money, she gave her whole life. This is what the Greek uh, actually says. If you take the, the literal translation right out of the Greek, Jesus said she gave out of her poverty, she put in everything, even her whole life. Do we have what the Macedonian said? Second Corinthians, there it is, 8-2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity. When they were financially afflicted, when they had nothing, their extreme poverty overflowed in the wealth of generosity. Having a lot of money has nothing to do with being generous. Nothing. Um, Generosity is not how much you give, it's how much you sacrifice. Generosity is rare, in fact, among the prosperous. You could actually say the more money you have, the harder it is to be generous. What is the state with the lowest standard of living in our country? Take a guess. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? What is the state that has the highest percentage of giving per capita? The state of Mississippi. Take a state like uh, Massachusetts. It has perhaps uh, the highest um, living standard, and it has the lowest, among the lowest, um, giving. This is the way, listen, Do you know that Christians gave a higher percentage of their income in the Great Depression than they give now? Um, Prosperity is not a friend of generosity. Uh, If you think, you, you might think, you know, if I ever won the lottery, it would be so much fun, I would give so much away. You would not. If you don't do it now, then you wouldn't do it then. And thirdly, why uh, do we resist generosity? It's hubris. It's this fallacy that, well, if I, just, if I had a lot, I'd, I'd give a lot. It's the biggest one of all. It's idolatry. Um, it's our precious, our money. We love money. Uh, we depend on it. It's our God. There's a deep place in us that says money is the route to security and peace. It's the route to worth, validation, My clothes, my house, my car, my vacations, my club, they are the key to power and respect and feeling good about myself. Uh, I need those things. I need them. They make me feel like I'm not a loser. 
Dustin Johnson's a professional golfer. He went with a, a uh, competitive, um, uh, a new competitor in the golf world, uh, founded by Saudi Arabian money. Incredible wealth offered to these gospels, uh, these golfers to go their way. And Dustin Johnson said, I went with this Saudi Arabian golf leg because they promised me not twice the money, probably four times the amount of money I was making for half the work. And he said, and you would make the same choice, and if you wouldn't make that choice, there's something deeply wrong with you. When I read that quote, I thought, well, there's something deeply wrong with me because I could make a lot more money with my life than the way I've chosen to spend it. And I have no interest in doing that. And I have no interest in working less. Um, I like to work. Um, so something's deeply wrong with me, apparently. I don't think the purpose of life is to, to, uh, to work as little as possible and make um, as much for myself as possible. You know what Jesus said? He said, it's easier for a camel to pass through what? The eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to go to heaven. It ought to cause every American, because every American's rich. I mean, if you have a car, you're among the richest people that's ever lived on the planet, even if that car's 20 years old. This applies to all of us. It's dangerous for our souls. Do you know how hard it is for people who have everything they need to realize that they don't have everything they need? Did you understand what I said? Do you realize how hard it is for people who have everything they need to realize they don't have everything they need? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but soul atrophies? God doesn't want the money out of your pocket. He wants the idols out of your heart. He wants the rival for your affection out of your life, right? He wants you to, he wants you to tell your mistress to hit the road and to give your fidelity to him. So um, that's why generosity is so hard um, because it feels like we've got to have these things um, to have life. Um, it feels like dying to not. So how do we embrace generosity, right? What would have to happen to make us generous? You, you know, I think it's really interesting. I've heard for years when kids um, often grow up, maybe they grow up in kind of a staid traditional church, not really popping with much life, and they go to college and they, and they get in a college ministry group that where there's joy and the kids sing and they pray and they worship and they're and they're all in, and they come home and they tell their parents, I became a Christian. What do the parents say? Oh, no, you've always been a Christian. We raised you at First Presbyterian, right? You've gone to Bible Baptist, to Faith Methodist, you know? You've always, no, no, <laughs> I haven't. I've just become a Christian. And the parents don't like that at all because something's going on there. And then they think, well, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this is a good thing. But they do warn their kids what? You can get into that. You can get all excited about it. Just don't do what? Don't give your money. Because if you give your money, that's when you've gone too far. You're a fanatic 
then. Um, what has to happen? Isn't that interesting? That's, what, what, but what does the Bible say? Where your treasure is, what? There will your heart be also. If your money's not there, then your heart's not really there, right? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what enables us to give? Here's the first. It's joy. It's joy. What does it say, 2 Corinthians 9? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Glad. Glad giver. The Holy Spirit, I mean, it's a supernatural change in us. It is a really supernatural change. The Holy Spirit creates a want to. Instead of hanging on to what we have, we love to give it away. It gives us joy. It makes us feel alive. More than having it, possessing it, keeping it, giving it. It's joy. This was immediately true of the very first Christians. Look at Acts chapter 4. These are the first Christians. The Holy Spirit falls, a little group of people. People start flooding in uh, to become Christians. It says the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection. And great grace was on them all. There wasn't a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold it and brought it and gave it. Right away, right away, as soon as the church starts, you got people selling their property, selling their houses, giving it away. It's our family ethos. It is more what? Blessed than to receive. I mean, I've noticed something through the years. Um, we took our kids on missions trips um, every summer as a family and, uh, and that often meant a lot of work. It meant sometimes sleeping on the floor in some dingy hotel room. It meant uh, a lot of work. Kids don't always like a lot of work, right? It meant sweating. It was summer. It was hot. Um, and it meant uh, you're not playing video games. You're not sleeping late. Um, you're working. You're getting your hands calloused. Um, and, and then after that, you know, if we had the time, maybe we'd spend a week at the beach, right? Something like that. A week in the mountains, we'd have what we, we would call a vacation. Guess what the kids remember? Even at the end of that summer, guess what the kids would have said? Remember when we did that missions trip? They would have said the missions trip was more fun by far. You know, when they come back from the mission trip, they're, they're like energized. They're like, that was awesome. Come back from the vacation, it's like, oh, uh, you know. Pampering um, um, your kids doesn't produce the same result as giving them a vision. Uh, it's joy. There's a joy when you give. It's joy. I just hope you experience that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in your life. It's called a fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, joy, joy. And I worked in West Virginia when I graduated from high school. I went up and worked at a church there. There was a real poor family lived up above where I lived. And they had strip mining up there. And so the mine company would blow off the side of the mountain. These people's house lit, was right next to that strip mining. 
they were both mentally handicapped, the parents, but they had a son who wasn't. And so he was, I, I was working with the kids in the church and, and we were all, picked him up to go spend lots of time with me, everything we could do together with him, just realizing his home life was hard. And, and do you know when they would, would, they would blow the whistle that said that they were gonna blast the mountain? Um, those poor people would leave on a dead sprint, they, they didn't have a car, out of their house and run down the mountain as fast as they could so they didn't get splattered by the boulders that were gonna fly up in the air. One boulder came down one time, crashed right through their roof, right into their kitchen. The Utts, Jimmy and Ruth Ut, James and Ruth Ut, their son's name was Jimmy too. And when I left that summer after working in the church, people in the church gave me um, stuff, you know, to say thank you. And the Utts came and they brought me a gift. And it was a shirt. It was this kind of shirt that you'd get it at maybe Dollar General or no, what's, what's the dollar store? Is there something lower than the dollar store? I mean, it's, it was the cheapest of the cheap of the cheap the cheap could be. And the Uts gave it to me. And you know what, I don't remember any of their gifts. I don't even remember the names of most of those people. I still remember the Uts. Maybe it's the best gift I've ever gotten. You know what I mean? Such joy. Such joy. The Bible says if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But the one who gives it up for my sake, he finds it. We give because we crave the joy of doing what we were created to do. When you do what you're created to do, it's awesome. It's awesome. Try it. Be generous. Do you know one time in our church, you can't create this, it just happened. I don't know why it happened that time. But we had people bring their pledge cards one time in the past. For whatever reason, when people came down, so many of them were sobbing. They were just sobbing tears of joy. They had joy. That's what makes us generous joy the joy of of being the vessel that through which god is providing for other people ah second is trust right trust what does matthew say jesus said don't be anxious this is in the sermon on the mount what do we eat what do we drink what do we wear for the gentiles seek these things your heavenly father knows that you need them you have a father we don't give because we're afraid. We've got to hang on, right? But the woman in the temple didn't hold on to her money for security because she had the security because she had a father. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, consider the birds. Your heavenly Father takes care of them. Consider the lilies of the field. Look at, how look at their apparel that God provides for them. Look at the clothing of the flowers, right? God loves to provide for his creation. Are you not of more value than they? Simple question about generosity is, do you know your dad? Do you know your dad? You can be generous when you have a dad. When we started this church, my salary was $18,000. In no time, I had three kids. 
and um, uh, there was no way I could make it on, on uh, what I was making. And in fact, you know what happened? In one like six month period, our air conditioner went out, our roof had to be replaced, and the house had to be tented for termites. I mean, even back then, that was about 17 grand. So what do I do? I quit my job at Seven Rivers and move somewhere where I can take care of my family? No, you know what I had? I had a dad. And I went to my dad and he gave me the money. He didn't give it to me, he loaned it to me. He had a fantastic interest rate. No interest, son, but you pay it back, you pay it all back. You tell me what schedule you wanna pay it back on. So I could give myself to the work because I had a dad, right? You have a dad. Three years into this church, I decided I was going to announce that we were going to start a Christian school. First time I ever talked about it. That Sunday, I'm talking about a Christian school. The Friday morning of that week, I got a call at 5 a.m. from my father on his birthday. said, your brother died in Tallahassee a couple hours ago. Perfect health, 35 years old, my life hero. So I was rocked to the core. Went to Tallahassee, picked up my parents at the airport, was with my sister-in-law, did everything to make arrangements, came back on Saturday and wrote my sermon. There was nobody else here then, just me. We got church the next day. And I was so empty emotionally. And I preached on starting a Christian school and a man walked out and he said, I have a check for $100,000 to give you to start that school. At the lowest point in my life, when I felt, God, what you've called me to do, I can't do it. God said, you're right. That's why I'm going to do it. Do you believe you have a dad? If you do, you can be generous. Because your dad's got you. You can live with risk. And last of all, gratitude. What produces generosity well, if you've been the recipient of generosity, it changes you. That's what it says in Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. The poor widow is a picture of Jesus. Everyone else gave money, she gave her life. Jesus didn't sit up in heaven and, and the Father say, you know, those people are all going to hell. They've rebelled. Let's send them some money. We'll give lots of money. That's not what he did. He went on the, on the biggest mission trip ever ventured, right? Through the womb of a young teenage girl in, in Judea, in, in, uh, in Nazareth. He enters into the earth where he dies a dreadful death on the cross in order to pay the debt that we could not pay and to make us the children of God. The richest of the rich became poor. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. My question to you is, do you? Do you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus goes all in and he descends to hell because he wants you. You are worth it to him. 
And generosity only comes when you are rocked by the grace of God. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make you his treasure. That's what Let's Go is all about. Not about what you give. It's about the God who gave everything. His most precious possession. He gave his son. The generous gift of all generous gifts. To you. Receive it. Marvel over it. Rest in it. Weep over it. You are the beloved. Let's pray. How deep your love for us, Father. How vast beyond all measure that you would give your boy to make us your treasure. Lord, would you change us by your love, we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.